through the storm, he is Lord. We, uh, we just sang that. We just looked at a lesson from Mark chapter 4, um, where again, the disciples were in the midst of a storm. And uh, some of us this morning, we're probably also in the midst of a storm. There's an old southern preaching statement phrase that goes, you're either in a storm, or you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go in a storm, but all of us, we experience storms in our lives. And uh, if you would, if you would just go back, maybe even pull out your worship folder and look at Mark chapter 4, which we read in just a couple of minutes ago. And just to quickly review that, the disciples, they're in a boat, they're with Jesus, and, and they're afraid of a storm. They're afraid of the wind, they're afraid of the, the waves, they're afraid that their boat is going to capsize, they're afraid that they might lose their lives, they're afraid of the storm. And Jesus gets up, and he calms the wind, and he calms the waves, and the storm goes away. And then, if you would, look at the last verse, verse 41. The storm's gone. And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey them. When the storm started, they were afraid of the storm. And after Jesus calms the storm, their fear of the storm was gone and it was replaced with a fear of the Lord. As Jesus was in control and he is Lord of all, even through the storms of life. And as we're going to pick up with the lives of the Israelites this morning, they are in the midst of another storm in their lives And they need the reminder, just like we need the reminder, that Jesus still is Lord, even in the midst of the storms that we go through in life. Now, we're lesson today is really building upon where we were last week, and so I want to spend a couple of minutes really reviewing some of the highlights of what we talked about last week, because like I said, today we're kind of narrowing down what we talked about last week, and and what we're going to talk about today is going to help us understand more what we talked about last week. So last week, um, as we were with the Israelites, um, they found themselves in a predicament, was the word we used last week. Um, Ahead of them was a body of water called the Red Sea, and they couldn't get through that. To the north of them, there was an Egyptian um, fortress that they could not get through that way. To the south of them, there was a, a, a mountain range and a vast desert south of there, so they couldn't go south. And behind them, they were being pursued by the Egyptians after they had fled Egypt. And so now they found themselves in this tight spot, And for the Israelites, they kind of looked at that. They looked ahead of them, they looked behind them, they looked in the opposite directions, and they realized that their situation, their circumstances, were very difficult. They were very uncertain. And what they did is they allowed the circumstances of their lives, as uncertain as they were, they allowed those circumstances to undermine their faith in God. And so what we called that last week was circumstantial faith. And all of us, every single one of us here today, all of us, to some extent, have circumstantial faith. That is, we allow the circumstances of our lives to undermine our faith or our trust in God. And as we talked about last week, circumstantial faith is always fragile. And the reason it's fragile is that we talked about three reasons last week why circumstantial faith is always fragile. The first reason is that there is a randomness to life. 
There, there are just things that we can't predict, and there are things that we didn't see coming in the future. So it, the future is just kind of a random thing. And we find ourselves in uncertain circumstances because life is random. So life is just random in general. Second reason we talked about why circumstantial faith is always fragile is because we're bad at interpreting circumstances. Okay? The classic example of that is if you were to drop down into my life as a parent at any particular time or at certain times and ask my kids, does your dad love you? They would answer, no, he doesn't love me. And if you asked them why, they would say, well, because when we went to the doctor last week, he held me down while that person gave me a shot. You know, that's not nice. That's not loving. And yet we as adults, we as parents, we look at that and we understand that as a parent, you do that for your child and you help them through those difficult times. And as adults, right, we look at the circumstances of our lives and sometimes we think, man, I look at my circumstances and I wonder if there is a God. I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if God knows in what's going on in my life right now. I don't think so. And then a couple years down the road, we look back on that time and we see how God used that circumstance to grow us in our faith or to draw us closer to him. And so looking back in hindsight, it, it was good thing. It was a good thing. But in the moment, we wondered whether or not God loved us. And so we're bad at interpreting circumstances. That's another reason why circumstantial faith is always fragile. Third reason is that oftentimes our time frame is too short. We're looking at our watches. God's looking at the calendar. And so we don't give God enough time to work out what God has planned for us and so again, we allow the circumstances of our lives to undermine our faith in God. And so what we talked about last week for the Israelites as they're in this predicament, they're trapped, what God did is he parted the Red Sea and he provided for them solid ground to go forward on and get across that Red Sea and away from danger. They passed on solid ground. They passed from certain death into life. And God has also provided for us solid ground upon which our faith is based. And that solid ground is where God planted a cross into this earth and Jesus died for our sins and for the sins of the world. And that is the solid foundation of our faith which allows us to go forward in life. Now wouldn't it be great... If every single morning we woke up with just this rock-solid faith in God, this absolute certainty that no matter what uncertain circumstances we face this day, God is going to get us through it. God is going to provide for us. And so we're just trusting in God no matter what, right? Nothing shakes us. Nothing bothers us. We just keep going forward in faith. We just got this rock-solid faith in God no matter what the circumstances are. Wouldn't it be great? if we woke up every morning and had that kind of faith. Now, if you're anything like me, you don't wake up every single morning with this rock-solid, unshakable faith in God. And if you do, maybe you should come up here. We'll trade places for the rest of the day. But if you're anything like me, that the uncertain circumstances of life have a way of shaking our faith. And what we want to talk about today is probably one of the biggest reasons why our faith gets shaken. It has to do with what the Israelites are going through and what they're experiencing in Numbers chapter 14. Now, one of the great things about this lesson, two great things about these verses from Numbers 14. The first thing is this. 
And again, I mentioned this last week, but I just think it's, it, it's just awesome in this series on the life of Moses. People who lived 3,500 years ago, we can relate, I think, so well to the Israelites and what they're going through. And today's lesson from Numbers 14, man, we can relate to what they're going through. Okay, so that's the first thing to notice about these verses. Second thing um, is that in these verses, we actually get to see both sides of the coin. We get to see a group of believers who look at the uncertain circumstances of their lives and they allow the fear that those uncertain circumstances create, they allow that fear to dominate their lives. And they're going to follow that fear. And we also see a group of believers who look at that fear, again, in their lives, and they trust that despite the fearful things in front of them, they trust in God who is faithful And so their faith in God is strong and they can get through a difficult time where fear is very much a part of their lives. And I think that's important for us to know. That no matter what our faith is like, we could be the strongest believers, fear is still a part of life. Fear is still a part of all of our lives and and it's part of all of our hearts. But, And what we want to learn today, what we want to understand today, is that despite the fear in our lives, our trust in God can be stronger because our God is greater than the greatest fears that we have. The greatest fears that you have in your life, God is stronger than those fears. And so you can trust in him despite the uncertain circumstances, and the fears that arise because of them, all right? So, Israelites, they're now, they've crossed through the Red Sea. They've now been walking on the other side, wandering. God's been leading them. And they're now at the point where they are about to enter um, this place called the Promised Land, okay? You can't, like, look on a map and find the Promised Land unless you've got a Bible map and they've helped you out there. But there's no geographical region in the world that's labeled the Promised Land. It was a, a, a region kind of northeast of Egypt, and that's where God had promised to take his people. He had promised them that this land was going to be good. It was going to be a great place for them to leave. It was live. It was going to provide for their needs well. And so they're kind of marching out to this place. They're now about to get there. And what they decide to do is that they're going to send 12 spies into this promised land to go check things out. So they pick 12 guys. They they send them off for 40 days into the promised land. And they are to bring back a report as to what they discover. At the end of the 40 days, they come back and they've got a report. And the report starts out like this. The land is great. The land is so much better than we could have ever have imagined. Look at these grapes that we brought back. They brought back these giant clusters, clump, clusters of grapes with them. And they were t- just talking about how great. It's everything that God promised it would be. It was awesome. But then 10 of the 12, 10 of the 12, take the report in a different direction. And they say, you know, land's great. The people there? They're big. They're really big, right? And it was true. They were big. And they come back and they say, yeah, big people, they got fortified cities, really fortified cities. And that was true. 
And we got no weapons. We're not trained for battle. We're not ready for war. And they've got all these fortified cities. And that was true. The cities were fortified. And they came back, they had a third thing. So the people are big. The cities are fortified. People are fierce. They, they don't like us. They don't like people messing with their stuff. They don't want people coming up here and, and giving them a hard time about anything. And that was true. The people were fierce. And so they kind of looked at that and they think, big people, strong cities, and they're mad and mean. And we're afraid. And we don't want to go up there. And we don't think that we should go up there. And the two other spies, Joshua and Caleb, who saw the same things, who saw the big people and the strong cities and the fierce nature of these people, saw the exact same things. They said, you know what? All of that stuff is true. But we still think that we should go forward and take them on. And we have a reason why. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Numbers chapter 14, we're going to pick it up now. They've just kind of come back, the spies have come back, they've given the general report of the land is good, the ten said we shouldn't go, the two try to dissuade the people and say no, we should go, and now it's kind of amongst the whole community of Israel. Chapter 14, verse 1. That night, nothing good ever happens at night, right? <laughs> And that's just a tough way to start off chapter 14, at night, that night. I mean, right, Satan does, you know, all sorts of bad stuff at night. You know, he works all sorts of fear and anxiety into our hearts, probably especially at night, um, for, probably for a lot of us. So, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Now, this is not like they raised their voices like in prayer. Um, this is they raise their voices, they're upset, they're frustrated, they're afraid, they're complaining, they're grumbling, and they're weeping. This is a very bad situation that they're finding themselves in. Verse 2, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. If you were here last week, they put that line out last week. That's kind of like their reoccurring theme here. Life's tough. Oh, if we were only back in Egypt, died in Egypt, life would have been so much better. If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord, this is, man, the Lord, man, he does all sorts of bad things. He rescues us and now look at where we are. The Lord, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? It's like a foregone conclusion in their mind. We're done for. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So they look at this, and they're afraid, they're terrified, they're, they're thinking they're dead. They're thinking, maybe we should go back to Egypt. They're ready to mutiny, get rid of Moses. Man, we shouldn't have listened to that guy in the first place. Let's get rid of him. Let's pick somebody else, and let's march back to Egypt. That's where they're at, at this point in their lives. Now, if you think about it, what have been the last two major events in the lives of the Israelites? The one just before this was when they were at the Red Sea, in the predicament that they were facing. Who rescued them? God. Who did something amazing? God. 
God led them through on dry ground through the Red Sea. What was the event prior to that? Oh yeah, they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years and God rescued them. God set them free, right? And we would think, or at least I would think, I mean, you look back at at those kind of blockbuster events in the lives of the Israelites and we would think, man, they would maybe just be waiting for that next uncertain circumstance in their lives for God to do something amazing again. I mean, he's two for two. Now we've got another situation here. Maybe God's going to do something great again in our lives. And yet they're terrified. They're afraid. They're grumbling. They're complaining. They think they're going to die, and they'd rather go back to Egypt. We think, man, did they forget? Didn't they see what God had done, that they're so afraid right now in their lives? And I think, man, hasn't God done some pretty great things in my life? Man, I look back in my past, and God's done all sorts of amazing things in my life, and now I'm in this uncertain circumstance, this fearful time in my life right now. Why am I so afraid? Did I forget what God had done in my past, too? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's never happened to you, but that happens to me. Happened to the Israelites as they're facing this tough time, fearful time in their lives right now. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Right? They're ready to mutiny. Um, we're told in a couple verses, we're not going to read it today, but we're told that they were ready to stone them. Right? Um, I might hightail it out of there. They fall down on their faces, and they're going to continue to plead with the people. Uh, Joshua, verse 6, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of um, Jeff, Jephuan, uh, were, were, who were among those who had explored the land, the two spies, they tore their clothes, and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Now just stop right there. It's a tough time. Life is difficult. They're afraid. And what do Joshua and Caleb do? Remember the land? Man, it was not just good. It was not kind of good. It was exceedingly good. Do you remember who promised us that we were going to come to an exceedingly good land? It was God. And here we are. God has kept his promise to do something exceedingly good in our lives. And the same is true for us. God has promised us things that are exceedingly good. God has promised that he has a plan for our lives that is a good plan, and it is going to someplace that is exceedingly good. And so Joshua and Caleb... They take a moment to point out the obvious, that God is a good God, that they are headed in a good place. They're pointing out the positive of the situation that they find themselves in, just like Paul does when he's in prison. And he can point out the positive. Why? Because God's promises hold true. God promised to bring us here. God promised us this land. Yeah, there are scary things there. Yeah, there are reasons to be afraid, but 
God promised. And here we are. And God's going to get us through this. Verse 8. It goes on. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Who's going to do that? God is going to do that. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Those big people with fortified cities that are fierce people their protection is gone. Th- that Hebrew word for protection, um, that's, that's this idea of being in the shadow of something, right? If in uh, ancient times, in, in this day and age, the sun was very um, scorching, uh, you could get burned, and so you, if you got shelter in the shade of a tree, it was your source of protection. So what they're saying is, these people in the promised land Their protection, their source of shade, it's gone. The Lord is with us. He is the source of shade. He is the source of protection over us. We're going to be okay. We're going to survive. We're going to make it. Because we are in the shadow of God. We are under the protection of the Lord who rescued us at the Red Sea and who delivered us from Egypt and who promised us this land that we're headed to. So don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. We're going to go forward because we have the protection of the Lord over us. The Lord is near to us. Now for the Israelites... They have a choice. They can can believe the lies and they can follow their fear and they can allow fear to dominate their lives. Or they can trust in the promises of God. They can trust that God is going to protect them and lead them into this land that he promised to them. The choice is theirs. And at this point in the, in the lives of the nation of Israel, they choose to listen to the fear, to follow that fear, and allow that fear to dominate their lives. And God says that because of that fear, because they, they failed to trust him, that they would now wander for 40 years in the desert. For the next 40 years, the nation of Israel, for the last 40 years of Moses' life, they are now going to wander as a consequence for their doubt, for believing the lies, and for following their fear instead of trusting in the Lord. I don't think God's going to send any of us out into the desert for 40 years for doubting him. And thank God that he doesn't. But just think about all of the times in our lives when when there's fear in uncertain circumstances. And we wonder, should we listen to the fear? Should we trust in the Lord? 
Should we listen to the fear or should we find protection in the shadow that God casts? Should we find protection in the shadow of the cross? That's the choice. Listen to the fear, find protection in the shadow of the cross. That's what we need. We need to find ourselves in the shadow of the cross where God whispers to us that your sins are forgiven. Where God whispers and reminds to us that we are loved by him. Where God whispers to us that he is watching over our lives and he is leading us to a place that is exceedingly good. And that the plan that he has to get us there is also good. And so we stand in the shadow of that cross and we find protection from all of the elements, from all of the uncertain circumstances, from all of the fear that so easily comes into our lives. That's our lives as believers today. Again, it's not that having faith in God means that you never get afraid. There are scary things. There are fearful things in our lives. But having faith in God is being able to look at the fear that is in our lives, those fearful things, and to trust that our God is stronger and greater than the greatest fears that we will ever face. It is this trust this confidence that in the shadow of the cross we will never be forgotten by God. In the shadow of the cross we will never be left to deal with it on our own because we have the protection of the Lord in the most fearful times of our lives. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me?